Okay, if you would tonight, turn to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 5 and verse 22 it says and Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years and begot sons and daughters and all the days of Enoch were 360 and 5 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. So just going to preach tonight on walking with God. Walking with God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to be assembled together. Thank you for your safety through another week. And I pray, Father, as we look into the word of God, that we'd be encouraged and, and again challenged. And Father, just reminded of some simple things that we need to be consistent and be systematic in that would promote a walk with you, that would glorify and honor you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, of course, we've been looking in Sunday morning in Romans, the book of Romans, about walking in the Spirit. Uh, Sunday night, we looked at, last Sunday night anyway, the, the uh, armor of God, but, you know, really all that has to do with is part of walking with the Lord. And, uh, but if you were going to boil it down to some things that you need to do consistently. You know, we talked about putting on the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and, and those kind of things and, and being sensitive and submissive to the Spirit. But what is it, what is it co that consistently promotes that kind of thing or as we might say, walking with the Lord. You know, Enoch, the Bible says, Enoch walked with God, uh, and it was not for God took him. Walk A walk speaks of progression, consistency. Um, and if we want to be have consistency in our Christian life, there are some things that have to be practiced or systematic in our lives. So, I have, uh, I think, five things here tonight. So first of all, um, first one would be, of course, you must be saved. You must know Christ as your Lord and Savior. These all begin with a, with a letter S. So saved, uh, of course, you know, we, we understand that. We, we must have a, a born-again experience. You know, Jesus said in John 3, 5, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, Galatians 3.26 says, Ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So there has to be a, a time in our life when we realize that we were a sinner and needed a Savior and willing to turn from our sin, that's what repentance is, and put our faith, our dependence in the Lord Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. So we must be, must be saved, first of all. But the second one is we must study the Word of God. We must study the Word of God. Timothy tells us in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we need to have some time that we spend in the word of God. 
You know, we know that the Bible tells us in Peter that we have all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So if we want to be a want to walk with the Lord, we have to spend time in the word of God. Just as you, if you want to be healthy, you have to eat healthy. If you want to be spiritually healthy, you have to feed your soul regularly. Job said he esteemed his word more than his necessary food. So it's important that we spend time in the word of God. If we want a success in our Christian life, we have to spend time in the word of God. You know, Joshua 1.8 says that we were to meditate day and night, that thou mayest observe to, 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 that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Of course, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but he walks, but he meditates day and night in the law of his Lord. So, you know, we need to have that time in the word of God. So, turn to Psalm 19 for just a moment. Psalm 19. <clears throat> Psalm 19. <clears throat> And it's, you know, it's this, you might say, as much a habit as anything. It needs to be a habit that you make in your life. That every day you spend some time reading the word of God and meditating upon it. Psalm 19 verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And the word converting means to be restored. Uh, or to turn around, or to convert, to restore. And, you know, we need, you know, the law of the Lord, it is the law that we, through the law we realize that we're sinners and we need, we need to change something there. So the law of the Lord, it, it will bring conversion to the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So, if, again, if you, want, if you want wisdom to apply to everyday life, go to the Word of God. It makes wide the simple. You know, sometimes I'm a little simple. I was a little simple tonight. You know, simple means not knowing or kind of like ignorant. My wife got to let put my clothes out for church, you know, so I went over to the girl and said, uh, ladies, I need some help. I'm a little simple when it comes to putting stuff like this together, so, you know, I need a little help. Um, now, the Word of God won't help me in that area, I don't think, but anyway, um, but if you want wisdom for everyday life, the Bible does have wisdom. Uh, verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. So if you want to know what's right, if you want to do what's right, of course, the next phrase there says the commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So, you know, righteousness brings rejoicing and will bring joy to your heart. And, 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 of course, it's through the Lord of God that we learn what is right, what is not right. Paul told Timothy that, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for instruction, for correction, uh, for doctrine, for reproof. I can't quote tonight. For doctrine, what's the next one? Reproof. Correction and instruction. Okay. So to teach us what is right, what is not right, how to make it right, and how to keep it right. 
It's all in the Word of God. But if we want to know, you have to spend some time there. You know, the world is, our world is, seems lost as to knowledge of right and wrong. They can't even figure out which gender they are. Why is that? It's because they've gotten away from the authority. They have no authority. They've become their own authority. Uh, you know, if we spend time in the Word of God, we'll learn what is right, what is not right, and, and bring rejoicing to the heart. Of course, the Lord is full of chaos and confusion, too. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So, again, it'll lead you to a pure life. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Uh, you know, if we, if we learn about God through his word, we will fear him, and it will keep us from sin. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. There's that blessed prayer of righteousness, uh, learning what, uh, to, do, to do what is right. Moreover, to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, that is by the, the law of the Lord, or the commandments, or the statutes, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping of them, there is great reward. So the Bible not only, it, it, all, it warns us of evil and the consequences thereof. You know, Jesus preached more about hell than he did about heaven. There's warning. The prophets were constantly warning the children of Israel. You know, a lot of preachers today are like dumb dogs that cannot bark. They don't warn. Instead, they give an all-positive message, you know, to stir up a little spark of divinity that you have in you. I hope you have one. I haven't found mine yet. But um, over by them is thy servant warned. So there's warnings, and in keeping of them, in other words, keeping those commandments, or those laws, there is great reward. And going again, you have to choose. That verse eleven or twelve says, "Who can understand his errors?" That's a good question. Do you understand your errors? Have you always understood your errors, or did somebody instruct you what your errors were? When you say, "Well, I read the Bible and I figured it out," well, you somebody instructed you then. Somebody instructed you then. We can't. We don't find out our own errors. We may research out and learn our own errors, but it's because somebody else helped us or wrote it down or, or gave us something to read to instruct us and, and showed us our errors. So who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. You know, the Bible says in, in Hebrews that the, the word of God searches the intent, the thoughts and intents of the heart. Not just what people see, but what they don't see. My thoughts, my intentions, my motivations. And then verse 13 says, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins, willful sin. Let them not have dominion over thee, thee, me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. You see, we, we need to spend time in a word of God. We need to make it a habit to spend some time in the word of God each day. Every day. 
you know, I, I decided to do a little test. How much time would it take to read three chapters a day? I read, and, and I realize not everybody reads as fast as I do, but I read uh, 90, 120 verses in 15 minutes. 120 verses. Most chapters, you could lead, read at least three or four chapters at that length. Uh, you know, we ought to, you know, the average person should read, at least read their Bible through every year. It's really not that difficult. If you're not a good reader, get a tape recorder or, or a, not, I'm dating myself, a CD or, you know, or a MP, what are they, MP4, whatever they are nowadays, you know, to play it, your cell phone and play it for you and you can listen to it. There's so many ways. We, we really don't have any excuse. You can do that in the car. Now, I think you ought to have some quiet time reading your Bible. But we need to read it. We need to be listening to it. We need to be putting it into our minds. We need to be programming. You might say, what? You know, I can read it in the morning, and I don't remember that afternoon what I read in the morning. Hey, when I leave here Sunday afternoon, I don't remember what I preached on Sunday morning. (laughs) But, you know, I might remember it next week. And all, all it takes is somebody to say the right thing, and that sermon will come back to me. Because it was put in. You, know, you, you, don't, you might think you don't remember it, but you remember more of it than you think. All, all you need is the right words or circumstance brought to your attention, and what you read may come to mind. Because you've put it in there. And besides, if you're born again, you have the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God can bring it to your mind. But he can't bring to your mind what's not there. So it's vitally important, you know, without spending time in the Word of God, there's no way we can live or a successful or walk with God. We can't live a successful Christian life. I had a man tell me one time, he was having doubts about his salvation. I said, well, well, I began to ask him some questions. So are you reading your Bible? No. He said, I hate to read. I said, well, I can assure you one thing. Assurance comes from obedience and spending time with the Lord. If you, if I can't guarantee you ever have assurance if you don't spend some time in the Word of God. It's funny, he could read the Uncle Henry. The Bible isn't always the most interesting or the nicest reading. There's some stuff in there that we don't like. After all, it convicts us. But it is vitally important that we read it. We need to spend time in the Word of God. Uh, Moody said, there'll not be another great revival until Christians get back to the study of the Word of God. So there, we must be saved. There must be study. There must be, for sake of letters, singing. Singing or good music. Good music. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. By the way, you know, when you, when, you, when you spend time in the Word of God, you know, you, it, will, it will 
it will encourage righteousness in your life, which is the uh, the breastplate that he talks about in Ephesians chapter six. Um, it's like armor; it protects us. Ephesians five verse nineteen says, "Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord." Colossians chapter three and verse sixteen and seventeen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Uh, So there needs to be good music in your life. Good music. Godly music. Uh, Martin Luther, and I usually don't quote Martin Luther, but Martin Luther had some good things to say every now and again. But he said this, quote, Next to the word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in this world. It controls our thoughts, minds, hearts, and spirits. It controls every part of our being. Or it can control. You know, rock musicians, rock drummers have said they can control the audience with their drums. You know, they play certain kinds of music in the stores to keep you there. And certain kinds of music in restaurants to keep you there. Because it affects you. Of course, the Bible teaches this as well. Uh, look at First Samuel chapter 16. First Samuel chapter 16. <clears throat> we see this very vividly brought out in the life of Saul. First Samuel 16. For Saul was troubled by an evil spirit. He had disobeyed the Lord, and so he was troubled. The Spirit of God departed from him. And it says in verse 23, And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp, played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed, and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. So he was refreshed physically. It affected his body. He was made well emotionally. It affected his soul. It encouraged him. Put him in a good frame of mind. And then it says... And the evil spirit departed from him. It affected him spiritually. Just music. Doesn't say that David sang. He played with his harp, the Bible says. And if you fill your mind and your heart with good music, it will it will help you in every in you help your entire being, I guess I should say. Your, your body, your soul, and your spirit. It will affect you. The reverse is also true. If you listen to the music of the world, you know, at least you listen to the country western, what depressing stuff. You know. Um, you know, it's always about losing their lover, or losing his truck, or losing something, you know, or somebody getting shot, or, you know, or drunkenness. Or, you know, it's, it's depressing. 
And of course, there's a lot of music out there that has God's name on it, but it's not godly. It's not good. It's the God of this world. You know, Satan is a master musician. And we have to be careful what kind of music we listen to. Much of it has a form of godliness. You know, CCM is carnal and sensual. That's why they take the mic and they hug it like this. Like they're singing to their lover. And sometimes I wonder if they are. Because many of the songs they sing could be referring to a lover. Um, it's sensual. It's carnal. It's going to affect you. It's going to affect you. It'll make you carnal. Look at, look at, the, look at Psalm 40. Psalm 40. I want to look at a couple verses here. You know, of course, you see a lot of people, you know, musicians, you know, breathing into the mic and, and you know, hugging it. It's essential. Um, Psalm 40, verse 3 says, And he hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. And the Bible uses that phrase, new song, many times. Uh in Psalm 95, verse 1. Psalm 95, verse 1. So, oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of, of our salvation. Psalm 96, verses 1 and 2. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name, and show forth his salvation from day to day. Psalm 98, verse 1. O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand, his holy arm, hath gotten him the victory. And then again, Psalm 100, verse 1 and 2. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Verse, chapter 101, verse 1. I will sing of mercy and judgment. Unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. How many songs are written today of the contemporary Christian music speak about judgment? But the psalmist said, I'm going to sing of judgment. Of judgment. You see, our music needs to be pleasing to the Lord. Not pleasing to us. Not pleasing to the world. Why are the Christian, contemporary Christian musicians so popular in the world? It's because their music pleases the flesh. So we need to have, be saved, we need to study, it needs to be good singing. Um, I lost my place here. Oh, thirdly, it needs to be supplication. Supplication. Or prayer. Ephesians 6.18. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. 
The psalmist said in Psalm 55, 17, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Of course, we're reminded that Daniel, in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it tells us that Daniel prayed three times a day, uh, looking toward Jerusalem at his window. Uh, Luke 18, 1 says, Men ought always to pray and not faint. Uh, we are commanded in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we are commanded to pray. 1 Timothy, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy. No, it's 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all their authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So God says, we're to, Paul writes to, to young Timothy, says that, that we need to pray... Uh, for all men, for kings, and those that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. And that this is good. It's acceptable. It's pleasing in the sight of God. After all, God wants everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved. Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication that your requests remain done unto God. Hebrews 4, 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace to obtain mercy, to find grace to help in time of need. Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know, we need to be people of prayer. I think it was, they said Billy Sunday used to say, you need to spend at least 15 minutes in the word of God, 15 minutes in prayer, and 15 minutes witnessing every day. It will help you in your walk with the Lord. Oh, how we need to be people of prayer and supplication before our Lord. Uh, for our needs, things in this world. And then I want you to notice a fifth thing, and this, of course, is surround yourself with good friends. Go to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs 27. <clears throat> I don't look right. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says this. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So faithful are the wounds of a friend. You see, the right kind of friend will say, you know that's not right. You know you shouldn't do that. The right kind of friend will correct you, will instruct you, not encourage you to do evil. Not encourage you to do evil. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Evil communications corrupt good manners. 
Proverbs 13, 20, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. I remember there was a boy at our home church. An elderly leader brought him there. And he seemed like such a good kid. Until he hit about 13, 14. You know what changed him? Friends. Friends. Wrong kind of friends. Amnon had a very subtle friend. His name was Jonadab. And Jonadab instructed Amnon how to get what he wanted, but it cost him his life. It cost him his life. So we need to have the right kind of friends. Be the right kind of friend. You know, you can be the one who is the positive influence. You don't have to go along with what everybody else does. I often said, any dead fish can float downstream. We need to fight the stream. Sometimes we need to go against the stream of evil and be that influence for good. Again, since some just simple, basic things. And then number six, systematic, of course, systematic church attendance. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. So there needs to be, we're talking here about systematic church attendance. Of course, all these things, are we, we need to do them systematically or habitually. Again, we need to make it habits in our life. And the Bible here commands us to, to hold fast our profession without wavering. And then he gives us some things that will help us hold fast. We're to consider one another and to provoke one another. That word provoke there means to stir up. You know, to encourage, to challenge. It's kind of like a, you know, when we was on the farm, we had, uh, uh, when the Bible times they called it an ox goad. But a lot of guys that hauled cattle had, had we called them shockers. You know, because a lot of times cows didn't want to go on trucks because they probably never been on a truck before. And so that was a strange thing. And then you had this plank that went across that, you know how sometimes horses don't want to go across bridges because it sounds hollow underneath. The cows don't want to walk that plank. So you just stick this thing up there and give a, push the button and it gives them a little shock treatment. It makes them move. Sometimes we need a little shock treatment. We need to shock each other every once in a while. Uh, 
in a good way, of course. But, uh, you know, we need to stir one another up to provoke. That's what the word provoke means. Proverbs 27, 17 says that iron sharpeneth iron. Again, that's the same idea. Uh, to challenge or exhorting. He says by exhorting one another, verse 25, and so much the more as you see a day approaching. Uh, we need to be exhorted and, and challenged. Uh, the word exhort means to urge by arguments, advice, to warn, to stimulate. You know, the word of God preached and taught and expanded and explained challenges us and encourages us to grow. I was telling the Dentons on Monday night, you know, we, we want to see growth. That's what church attendance is for. Just like we want a child, a little child. We want, to, we want it to eat regularly so it'll grow. We don't want it to stay little. We want it to grow, to mature. And we should want desire to mature and to grow in our Christian life. And so we need to be challenged. And so he says, not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some of In fact, to do so is to sin willfully. There is no alternative. So I told Chris Sharon here the other week, three weeks ago now, because he's going to be home this weekend again. Yeah, you know, there's no alternative. You know, a lot of people think they don't need church now. I mean, you can listen to the preacher on TV, and you can, you can listen to it on the Internet, you know, and why do I have to be a member of a church? Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And the Bible commands to assemble together, and it's not the same. I've listened to it on the Internet from other people. I've listened to myself sometimes. Uh, it's not the same as sitting there and listening to somebody preach it to you. So, you know, if we want to grow, if we want to con- be consistent in our Christian life, you know, if we want to be protected from sin, have that breastplate. Of righteousness. Where does it, again, where does it come from? We saw in Psalm 19, you know, righteousness comes from the Word of God. It's really not that complicated. It's really quite simple. But it's a matter of will we systematically do it? We need to be systematically reading meditating, hearing the word of God. We need to make it, young people, you need to make it a habit in your life. We say, well, I missed a day. Well, forget about a day you missed. Just start the next day and continue on. You know, there are days I miss. Something comes up. And, you know, it interrupts your day, so you miss a day. So, go back to the next day. Don't give up. You're going to fail. You're going to fall. Don't give up. You know, um, it's an old school teacher in Maine. I think he I'm trying to remember he I think he put it on, on his on the wall in his his Sunday school class when we were in Lee. When you fail, try, try again. <laughs> Don't give up. God doesn't want us to give up. The devil wants you to give up. The devil wants you to quit. So systematically, 
Read your Bible. Spend time in prayer. Listen to music. If you're going to listen to music, listen to music that glorifies the Lord. Not this worldly junk. Have the right kind of friends that will encourage you, that will help you. And your friends should not supersede your loyalty to God. God should be more important than your friends. Sometimes your relationship with the Lord will cost you your friends. And then, church attendance, faithful church attendance. Um, You know, if we want, you know, God has made it possible for us, for you and I, to walk with him. To have that steady, progressive, consistent Christian life. But there are some requirements. It doesn't just happen. You know, if I want to eat properly, there's some things that have to have to take place to make that happen. I need a good wife to make good meals. That's what needs to be done, you know. Uh, and and thankfully I, I have that. So, you know, it's all taken care of. But but you know that just a little story about that. Before I got married. My brother and I lived together for a year and a half. We batched it. I used to do all the cooking. I finally got tired of it. I said, one day, I said, why don't you go make lunch? He said, okay. I fed the cows. I went in to get lunch. And on the, on the table was uh, some cookies and milk. <laughs> no. You see, if you're going to eat well, it takes preparation. If you're going to walk with the Lord... It's going to require some time, some preparation on your part and my part. But simple things that we simply need to do systematically so that we can have a consistent walk with the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the simplicity of your word, and I pray that you'd help us to simply Uh, obey these things that we know we ought to do and to put them into practice that we might walk with you that we might continue to grow in our christian life for your glory and for for our good we do pray in jesus name amen